Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by GhostBed.com. Sit back, relax, and grab a fucking drink. Yeah, welcome to Drinking Bros, kids. Anthony, you made it. You braved the elements today. Yeah, it's... uh. 30 degrees. Sure is, it's friends. Not, th- this is not the fucking frozen No, nope. Snow on the ground. People are dying no, out in these no streets. Snow. There's no snow. There's a half inch out no. there somewhere. It's water that was frozen. That's ice. That's no. not snow. They call it the old Asian penis. There's a half inch out there on the ground right now. You made it. I made it safely mm-hmm. because we bring the people entertainment every single day. Damn it. Oh, we try. And we try to bring them the best guests. Today, we got Gary Sheffield Jr., Back on the show today, uh, Gary. Where are you at today? Are you under snow? Um, no, I'm in Arizona. It's not 30 degrees. It's been cold, but um, people have been trying to get me to move to Texas. But now that it's going to be 30 degrees, um, no, thank you. Yeah. I don't think you want any part of that, Gary. Um, this is the second year in a row we, I've, we've braved the elements to give people, you know, the 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 shows every day. I don't want to say that I'm a hero. Um, others usually describe me as that. I don't like to. Uh, I know there's being statues built, busts, and all that stuff of my head. Uh, I'm in a many, many Hall of Fames, uh, unlike your father, unfortunately. Uh, I want to bring that up at the top of the show. Your dad didn't get in again. What the fuck is going on there? Well, all the kids that struck out playing kickball are voting. That's the problem. Um, it's not a lot of athletes. Like, I'm sorry, like there's a lot of great writers and you know, I'm friends with a few of them, but you know, I'm in the media and if you grow an audience, like what makes you worthy of having a vote and, and, and basically defending the hall of fame? I don't understand how that could possibly be the case. So in my mind, I always felt like the players, the players should determine who goes where, where should Barry Bonds go? Where should Gary Sheffield go? And ultimately, we're sitting here as baseball fans. You've got Pete Rose right behind you to your right. And it's yep. like I'm looking at dudes that we understand these are Hall of Famers. Maybe if you got an if you got an OJ Simpson and you kill somebody, maybe. Okay. Then then you might have a case there. But when we're sitting there talking about gambling on sports or allegedly taking a knee cream and and no positive tests, I mean those are Hall of Famers. He now, just he just Kaiser associate us. He sure did. He's reading shit off the back wall and using yeah. it as part of his shit. Uh, when we see you next week, are you going to be walking with a limp and then we we peek around the corner and you're sprinting down downhill? You Kaiser associate the whole set here. First of all, OJ signed these before he murdered anyone, and I want that Alleg- on record. Allegedly really? murdered, not allegedly yeah, signed. Right. They, are real, they are real signatures. He was he was found not guilty. So correct, which is not the same. To as this innocent, day, but. looking for the real killers, and uh, and we stand behind that. You know, yeah, um, I think Rodman did it. Probably, <laughs> probably. You got uh, to think Rodman's got at least one, right? He's got a murder like in his a, belt. Yeah. Maybe just like a bum in an alley somewhere or something. Or maybe yeah. when he went to North Korea, they probably let him kill some people. You think they do that when you show up? They're oh, like, yeah. "Hey, man, do you want to kill like a live human?" And mm. I, I wouldn't say no to it. You yeah. know, it's like, uh, how much better than that can you really do? Not like much. You, you're gonna give me what? Some fucking super expensive cognac or something, and some cigars and some, some whatever your country produces. Well, let's say you got over there, and Kim Jong Un was like, "Hey, we got two options tonight. We're going to Top Golf, or we'll let you murder like somebody who is out in the rice paddies." I'd be like, "All right, great." Can I get appetizers at Top Golf? Yes, you can probably get some mott sticks. I don't know; it's tough, man. Some pea skins. I mean, I've I've already scratched that itch, so okay. it's a different thing for me. Well, if you have, you, do, you have. Chopper. 
yeah. intent, like when you uh what do you gun down hogs Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, we we can do that. Yeah, or people. I mean, well, not here in the states. Obviously. Hogs or people. So Dan's got a place for people overseas. Where is that? Is that in Africa? Uh, yeah. Well, it's not because you get to kill a poacher, it's not, right? It's not my place, but the Zimbabwean uh, government is very serious about anti-poaching. Yeah, and if you're wealthy enough. They will take you out in the bush and let you hunt poachers. Yes. Yeah, we may or may not know somebody who did it. So yeah. if you're looking to kill a human, uh, look, I am. I'm just not rich enough to do it yet, Gary. But uh, when I'm when I get AIDS there, defense team. Yeah, because Dan's already done it, so it's like an eh, old hat for him. But you and I could really go out there and, and, and murk a human, and I think that'd be great. Uh, but back to your father. Look, I speaking of homeless people, shit. If you had to kill, if you had to give one person. A, a baseball bat and say, hey, you got one swing to kill a human or knock their head clean off their body, I'd give it to your dad. Yeah. he's That's the hardest yeah. swing I've ever seen the in bat, my entire the life. The bat speed is incredible, man. I wish he had played in the StatCast era just to see how fast that. it was. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, but I've seen him play numerous times. Look, I'm from, I'm from Atlanta, obviously a huge Braves fan, um, moved to Los Angeles, saw him there for years and years. Um, and uh, when I lived out there, one of the greatest I've ever seen, back to your kickball comment at the top, with all these fucking doofuses who are who are voting these days, how do we get out of that, or how does baseball shift out of that? Because it's hurting the sport. Um, when I saw Scott Rowland pop up at the bottom of the the scroll on ESPN the other day, uh, I did a spit take in my bed. I was like, that can't be a real thing, and uh, and sure enough, it is. How do we get these old fucking clowns out of out of there and get some players and there are guys like you to start voting? Well, it's really just change of policy because like human beings have shown when you give them too much, give them too much power, they start getting comfortable. They start doing really what they want to do. And ultimately, when you give a bunch of nerds the power to create a Hall of Fame, you're not going to get the best baseball players alive in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you just listed it right there. Scott Rowland. I'm 29 years old. Yeah, I wasn't old enough maybe to completely understand what was going on in his baseball career, but I was old enough to understand, okay. We're not coming to this game lining up to see Scott Rowland. Right. I feel like that's very simple. It's it's understandable for just about anybody. If you go to a basketball game, a football game, if you're not going to that game to see that player, unless they're like an offensive lineman, those guys in the trenches, but baseball doesn't really have that. There's no holder in baseball. There's no dudes that's no guy that's really not getting credit in the game of baseball. Those Hall of Famers should be household names. And when we're sitting there talking about Scott Rowland, we're talking about a guy who was very good for a long time. In my mind, that's not what the Hall of Fame was supposed to be. The Hall of Fame was supposed to be the guy where you watch him go three for four and you said, holy fuck, who's that guy? Yeah. I would uh, encourage you to YouTube Scott Rowland defensive highlights. Sure, yeah. He, uh, look, he, defensively, he's great. What do you win? Eight gold gloves? Hey, I man, think? That's the only reason Ozzy Smith's in the Hall of Fame. It's not yeah. as bad. Who? Ozzy Smith. Oh, he didn't get in there off his bat. It's true. And there's guys that are rare like that. But was he Mm -hmm. the greatest fielder of all time to overcome his shitty offensive? I think think Scott Rowland is the second best defensive third baseman ever to uh, Brooks Robinson. Statistically speaking, I think is. is, So, yeah. But again, that era in the 90s, people didn't get in. There's no other. I mean, look, he wasn't a defensive But how specialist. many home runs did he have? Three, like three something? 335 or something Which like that. Which is a, yeah. a really good amount. Yeah. Like, but for a third a baseman? Amount. 
Yeah. That's really good for a third base. Third base is, I think, the least represented position in the Hall of Fame. When I think of third base, I think of Chipper Jones. I think of Mike Schmitz. I think of guys like that. George Bretz. Those were bombers, dude. I would probably put Scott Rowland as a top 10 third baseman in baseball history. Okay. That, that's probably you put right. Scott Rowland. Yeah, do you put Scott Rowland ahead of any of those guys you just named? No, 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 no. no, no, no. Nor nor Adrian Beltre. Oh yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, Adrian Beltre is up there too and, defensively. And, I think he's right. third to Rowland, yeah. Um but it's look, your the stuff with your dad is weird. Let's let's do an actual comparison between uh different positions, but people that were up for the vote this year that don't have any of the other ancillary bullshit going on. Because people will say that Sheffield, the reason he's not in is because of the uh, Mitchell report, which, by the way, the people that conducted that report have said uh, uh, under oath multiple times that just because your name's on there doesn't mean you actually did anything. Yeah, right? and, and forgive me for asking, because right. uh, I don't know the Mitchell report as well, Gary. What was in that report allegedly that they said your father did? It said that he made some type of wire transfer to pay for a knee cream, which that knee cream was said to have steroids in it. And this st- this steroid was given to recover from a knee surgery on a um, a cyst that our family it runs in our family. So mm-hmm. it's the same surgery that multiple people in our family have had. So when he had this in the off season of 2000, you know, of course, my dad, I, I'd always known him to be, you know, vigilant in the weight room. And anytime he had a surgery, which he had 12 of them. Yeah. It's like, OK, we want to recover. Then you want to get your body back to spring training mode and then rev yourself up for the season and then into a long postseason run. So I'm looking at him like, okay, he's having surgery again. And he was back on his feet, you know, pretty quick. And, you know, anytime somebody really implies that you're a steroid user and we're sitting there talking about knee cream, they're hardly ever talking about a cream to recover from surgery. They're implying that you're taking an anabolic steroid, something where you flew down to Miami, took a shot in the ass. Yep. And change your body composition to the point where you're an alien. Yeah. And we saw that. Yeah. Like, do we, did we catch Barry Bonds taking steroids? No. But when we looked at Barry, is it obvious he was taking steroids? Yes. Yeah. His skull grew like bigger than the Grinch's heart grew. Oh, my God. And seeing him in real life during that period of time, his head was bigger than a Macy's Day parade float during Thanksgiving. It, It was massive. I've never seen a human head that big. Now, with it, regarding the cyst and the medication, so I actually had a cyst removed, and they gave me that steroid medication. It's, it's cortisone. It is, and I it's played. Not, right. It's not an anabolic steroid. And, God I, and I played in a softball league that year, Jesus and uh, I didn't hit any home runs. I, had, <laughs> I didn't hit any, so I can say that it didn't help me at yeah, all. Yeah, but years later, you did become a champion coach. Of, I sure did right. of, of young men, young soccer players. So, so. maybe indirectly, but yeah, uh, I, yeah that that cream does nothing for you at all other no, than and by the way so the injection of cortisone you get uh a, a relatively high uh yield from it right so the amount that goes in your body actually metabolizes probably 70 plus percent i had a cream though like gary with was the, talking yeah, they, a, they gave me they prescribed me a cream with a cream it's so you can self-apply yes but the i ye- self-apply the yeah. yield is only like 25 to 35 percent i didn't feel anything so to even be though it you. is not even an anabolic steroid it's still not like you're still it's there's there's nothing that would have resulted from that that would have made him a better baseball player no it doesn't make any sense it's bullshit that they give like dads like i you know to to recover from like a normal cert like and it was a a cyst surgery is easy like that's a that's a simple one boom you're in and out of there and uh yeah they give you the cream you go down to cvs and you put it on and that's kind of it like so that that's what it was 
That's the entire story. And, and you know what's most amazing is that there are guys currently in the Hall of Fame as first ballot Hall of Famers recently that were directly testing positive for steroids. David Ortiz. Now, oh, mind yeah. you, David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer in my mind. There's no question about it. I don't care what he was taking. I see him and I go, that's a Hall of Famer. I went to the field knowing it. I left the field knowing it. It was very easy to understand. However, I'm sitting there seeing that and I see guys saying, well, your dad was tied to steroids while there was a guy who tests positive. They're saying my dad's a bad defender, which is another reason people are giving it for why they're not voting for him. How can you vote for a designated hitter, a dude who didn't try to play defense? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he tried early on, but it didn't go well. <laughs> no, it was butt cheeks, and and honestly, I don't care because Ozzy Smith's in there because he was a defender. It's not because he could hit, right? So I'm sitting there looking at it and saying, you can be all time great at one thing and make it to the Hall of Fame. That's possible. Yeah, and that's I, what I Dave agree. Ortiz did. I, I I agree. Um, and as far as Scott Rowland is concerned, by the way, Bob. Um, yes, I I, I do think he should be in. Yeah, I just but, don't but want if him. you're not that, but if you're looking at the list that was ahead of him, because I, oh, I, I look at the order going in, where it's like, all right, yes, Scott Rowland should have gotten. It's it's like the NBA Hall of Fame, like. All those guys fucking get in, and you're like, all right, great. They were all great players, and you understand. Yeah, yeah no, it's just a mess. Yes. Like, I don't, I'm just saying, like, Scott Rowland doesn't deserve to catch strays because I think he is I agree. 100% a Hall of Famer. And, and, but, yes. but, but, the, but not ahead of these guys. No, like, he's at the not. last right, right, of that right. line what, what, where you're like, all right, great. I, I, I tweeted about, uh, I guess it was the same day that uh, the vote went down or the vote got, was public um, about the difference between Scott Rowland and Andrew Jones. Uh-huh. Right? Very comparable players, although. I don't. I don't know why Roland gets points for being less good, but for longer, right? Because Andrew Jones' peak right. is he was the, he's the best center fielder ever, right? Not 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 defensively. Defensively, defensively yeah. yes. like Willie Mays. If you add, six, I mean, six hundred sixty home runs, a lot of home runs. Yeah, and he did he three thousand hits, all that stuff. So overall, Willie Mays is better, but defensively he's the best at the most difficult premier position on the field ever and he's right? also the only player under oath on a stand to admit that he had a threesome with two strippers multiple strippers in atlanta and i don't think he gets a lot of credit for that either well that's probably why his kid's such a stud because he's firing off fucking rockets you know what <laughs> oh I mean? yeah his kid's dude. a stud too he actually got drafted by the diamondbacks organization i believe um so you might be seeing him pretty soon but there has been just from the numbers, like Andrew Jones, what do you have? Four hundred and thirty something home runs, four thirty four, yeah. I think. Yeah, four thirty four. Yeah. Um, he his he he doesn't do well in like the more analytic stuff on offense because he was not very good at getting on base. Right. Yeah. Um, but the slugging is there, obviously, yeah. and the production in terms of RBIs and stuff. Good is there. RBI. Yeah, he was a good at bat guy, and I, I I don't remember. I'd have to look back at the old tweet, but he's way ahead of even like Willie Mays and some of the best defensive center fielders ever mm-hmm. in defensive war and defensive run saved. I'm talking to like 20 or 30 up to 50 ahead of, I think he's 50 ahead of the third place or fourth place guy. Yeah. So it's not even close. Plus he hit 434 home runs. Yeah. And there's no weird drama. I mean, it's all bullshit with, with your dad, with chef, but it's like, there's no, there's nothing about Jones like that. So what the fuck? Yeah. Where's the angle? I don't like, know. Where's the angle for why he's not there? I don't get it. I people, guess the, pe- it, it could be the gold club, dude. It could be that gold club testimony. <laughs> people claim he fucking like fell off too hard, too fast, or something like that. But like, fuck that. I but mean, he was playing at like 17 years old. Yeah, for he the came Braves. up at 19, hit two home runs in Yankee Stadium in October. Yep. I was at that World a, Series. Yeah, 
Um, and he was legendary. Uh, I don't think we won that year. Yeah. We lost. No, we definitely lost. We God won the first two games and then fucking shit the bed. But uh, no. yeah, yeah, back to Chef. 500 home runs. 509, I think, is the number. Mm-hmm. 28 people in the history of baseball. Yep. There have been 21,000 human beings who have played in Major League Baseball since, it, since its inception. 28 of them have hit 500 home runs. And all of them are in the Hall of Fame, except for dudes from the 90s. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, all the counting stats are there. 1,600 RBIs, 1,600 runs. Like, I mean, 250 stolen bases isn't anything to sneeze at when you compile it with all the other stuff. And on the defensive note, by the way, I don't fucking buy that. Like, he wasn't amazing, but he was good, and his arm was insane. He had a rocket arm, dude. So Anyone who played Slugfest knew he had a cannon. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he had a fucking cannon, dude. Yeah, back to to those numbers, by the way. 1,676 RBI and 1,171 strikes. He had uh, 2,689 hits, and he had only 1,171 strikeouts. He had 500 more RBI than strikeouts. Well, yeah. That, uh, is, that is extremely rare for anybody in the modern era. You can't sure look is. at any guys like that anymore. And in real life, again, because I've seen your father play so many times in real life, like he did not have the appearance of any of those steroid guys at all. Um, right. He was you know, physically fit. But there was nothing bloated or big or you didn't have a huge head or any of that stuff. I mean, he, he always had a massive dip in, which uh, yeah. was, was admirable, especially as a kid growing up from Georgia. I, I mean, he was going half a can in, uh, in his lip, and that was amazing, too. And he, he doesn't get credit for that. But Yeah, but I asked s- him to stop, and he did. <laughs> did you really? I told him, yeah. Well, as soon as he retired, I was like, because that was around the time when Gwyn passed away. And oh, Yeah. And when Gwyn, when Tony Gwynn passed away, I was like, Dad, this can't be the case. Like, this this can't happen because I already knew right off the rip. Because you have to keep in mind, like, all the John Heymans, all those writers, I always knew that it was going to be a fit to get him in the Hall of Fame. So I knew you have got to be alive. Like, we're, we're talking, you got to be here 15, 20, 30 years after your retirement. That's just the case. Yeah. And it's proving to be true. John Heyman and all these dudes are scratching and clawing to make sure that they're not the ones who put him into the Hall of Fame. And it's more so about relationships that he failed to make with some of these writers than it is about his baseball career and any of his stats. It's funny. We we, we did a show earlier this morning about the Oscars and how that's it's the, same a, bullshit. It's the same bullshit. It's like a political campaign, essentially. Right. And you got to appease all these fucking people. You know who they are. Uh, right. We all know who they are, and uh, most of them are out of touch with society and all that other shit. So he's got an uphill climb. Hopefully this all changes one day. Baseball needs it. I mean, why not just have good PR, for Christ's sakes? Um, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, like in, in 10 years or people who are just getting into baseball for the first time going to look back and just see nobody in the Hall of Fame from the 90s and 2000s? Pretty much. I mean, that's stupid. Doesn't Pretty much. sense. Uh, but we can flip out of that. I want to talk to you about OutKick. Um, man, I was pretty shocked when uh, when I saw that they had got bought out by Fox. Uh, to me, OutKick had kind of sneaked up on everybody. And then all of a sudden, boom, there was this huge acquisition. And then uh, Clay Travis was taking over all of the, the, the slots across America for Rush Limbaugh. That's a massive deal. Um, right. How, what was that like when you heard about that? And did you even know that was going down at the time? Yeah, yeah, we knew. It just because, like, you're talking big money. That That's the thing. Anytime someone's bought out, that's usually the goal of everyone's, like, a lot of people's, you know, shows. 
yep. whether it's a YouTube show, podcast, it's when do we get purchased and by who? And obviously, like I've seen Barstool get purchased and I'm sitting there, look at them, get bought out. I'm like, they've changed a lot. Like Barstool's actually changed a lot. For the better the last, or worse, like, Gary? In my opinion, for the worse. Okay. Um, and how and so? I, I would say they were a little bit more what they wanted to be initially which was anti-espn that was the whole reason like barstool really got started was we were a hybrid of south park and uh espn so we're just going to not care what you think and whether or not our opinions are liberal or conservative whatever they are we're just here to say exactly what we think and i've noticed over the years that some of that's changed like i'm not joking you guys i've had people at barstool come to me and go yeah they're a little worried about us coming on your show because you know, you said this, you said that. I'm like, could you imagine someone on Barstool saying that seven years ago? No, no, I it can't. would never be said. But it's it's kind of turned the other way. Just as my platform started to grow, they're like, okay, we'll let them on, or we'll let them on. But initially, when I was just this edgy tweeter with 2,200 followers, they didn't give a shit. They didn't want to have me on there. I mean, it kind of happens when corporations get bigger and you get bought out. Things get a little right. stuffy, I guess. Yeah, but when your brand is anti-stuffy, that's not necessarily a great thing. No, uh, you know, some would argue that in order to expand, you have to do certain things like that. Uh, yeah, there's a really good book on that, actually, a marketing book called Traction. If you haven't read it and you're in the audience and you have a small business, you should read it because it's like the general idea is you make a lot of noise in the beginning yep. and then you learn some lessons, you get seen, then you start to refine and improve your product and blah, 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 right? It's just the, the whole getting the big stone wheel moving and keeping it moving. Yeah. But, because yeah. we're, we're looking at, you know, last night it happened to a, bu- a buddy of ours. Yeah. His company got bought out and he's, shit, he's one of the edgiest companies I know. He's, it's the edgiest company I've ever Jesus seen. Jesus Christ. Um, uh, it's Assholes Live Forever. It's Kirill. Yeah, it's Kirill. So, yeah. uh, man, he's going to have to change some stuff. They're not going to put Assholes Live Forever in a mall, probably. He was honest about it. But it'll be Alf, if I had to guess. Oh, really? Probably, right? Yeah. I, don't, I, I haven't talked to him about it yet, but that I assume that's what it's going to be. He announced they do have to do a name change. Yeah, he did, yeah. 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 That, Which, that makes sense. You can't walk around with assholes on your shirt if kids are looking at it. They almost didn't it. let me on my American flight. I understand it's, No, it. it's just for the logo, though. Like, this, the merch will still be super fucked up. No, I understand that. The logo that. will just be but, but as far as, like, what Giorgio's wearing today, uh, people are starting to care about curse words on shirts and things like that, uh, especially if they're family brands and everything else. So, I look, I fucking get it. Uh, we are not owned by anybody, so we, we don't have to do that shit. Uh, but for you personally, what was the change like for you at OutKick? Um, because Fox is a massive corporation. No change for me. Um, they honestly didn't bother me. I'm surprised by that. I, I always thought, okay, well, we're bought out. Now it's like I worked for Fox News. And of course, like everyone always says that conservatives are anti-cancel culture. That's, that's also bullshit. Not true. It's, you know, if you say something that, cause I, I want to disagree with everybody. That's my mentality. Anytime I walk in the room, I try to challenge thought. That's the way I've always been. And, you know, of course you don't always make friends that way, but sometimes I'll walk in and say the way we're doing things just doesn't work. And, you know, maybe you'll get reached out to by Fox business. So far I haven't, which is nice. And um, I always thought, well, okay, well, if let's say Ron DeSantis does something I don't like and I say something about it, are they going to bitch? We'll see. And and so far, they've been pretty good. So I got to give them credit. 
Okay, that's cool. That's good to hear, at least, um, because you always wonder, and we get that question a lot from our audience of like, hey, what happens when your media company gets bought out? We've had a, a couple offers over the years. One was uh, owned by another company that was owned by uh, Warner Media. And uh, once they started going down the laundry list of protocols, it was before COVID had really got started. And they were like mass testing every day, testing for all employees, all that other shit. And it was like, oh, boy, that's, that's not going to happen. Um, uh, yeah, luckily, you know, we were able to head that off at the, at the past. But, uh, you know, you look at some of the rest of it and you're like, well, shit, is this worth it? Is it not worth it to have your own opinions and everything else? Uh, so far, so good. But we're also self-financed, and uh, nobody's written a check that big to dangle in front of us. So There's no amount of money somebody could dangle in front of me to make me compromise my principles. I don't care about money. That w- Money is just what you can buy with it. And to be honest, society's going to collapse anyways. <laughs> so all of my skills are in survival. Yeah. Right? Do you think society's going to collapse anytime soon? No, but back to I his point about uh about he wouldn't do he wouldn't like collapse any of this for money. I feel like I do just about anything for money except that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to yeah. be honest with you guys. Like I I'm not going to sit up here on the mic and pretend that I have this moral compass that's legendary. I'm going into the um the Heaven Hall of Fame. It's not happening. <laughs> but when it talk when someone's going to say, hey, "Gary, I'll write you a check for 10 million dollars. You start a golf channel. No cursing." Uh, everything is hey we're here to have a good time i wouldn't do it and that's just because i feel like i'm happy i'm happy just saying what i want to say it pisses a lot of people off but i'd rather people hate me for what i actually think well how aggressive are your opinions these days um do you go hard politically and socially uh with things that are happening out in the world like uh for instance over the weekend i was really shocked at the 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 response by this tyree nichols case uh, that happens um, once the video got released. I thought for sure Memphis was going to burn to the ground yeah. and nothing happens. Uh, it seemed like the media wasn't happy with it. And then uh, the, the latest was yesterday. They're trying to find the white hand in the video that shot the first taser yeah, yeah. and, and right. then blame it on the, yeah. the white cop. It seemed like the story to me, I like, look, the public makes up their own mind what they're going to do, what they're going to protest and everything else. Uh, and it seemed like the media wasn't happy that that shit didn't burn down, and they were like, "Well, let's try to find the white hand here in this." Uh, what do you think of this Tyree Nichols case? Well, I always felt like if it's not going to be this Nichols case, it'll be the next one. So it, it's always, it's, I mean, we we saw the situations happen during COVID, and we're like, "All right, everyone's posting black squares. How can we make black people as useful as possible? How can we get white people to feel like they now have to be a part of this to make, the point where make black people as useful as possible without actually doing anything to help them? Yes, of right. course. Yeah. And Which it's is... all about just making them feel like, you know, you, this is it like this, this is happening. And, and a lot of people were pressured into it. And even people I know who have been disagreeing with this type of rhetoric for years, they were really like forced with all the black squares. So, you know, as time's gone on and it, ended up being a big nothing burger now situations like this happen and i'm looking at it i'm like okay i'm not even going to comment on it because at this point why am i even commenting on this shit if someone wants to ask me i have no problem answering it i in my opinion on it is five white guys had a ton of power which you know there's a lot of power in being a police officer and they abuse the power so i'm sitting there looking at it i'm like i don't really think this is a race issue i think this is a kind of a couple pieces of shit had a lot of power and did something with it 
I mean, people murder people every day. These are human beings, just like police officers, also human beings. And when you don't have things that check people, they're going to exercise their right to be a piece of shit sometimes. And that's just what I've understood about the police force is that 99.9% of them are awesome. Like usually if I go in somewhere and I see a police officer that looks like he's having a long day, maybe you'll buy him a cup of coffee, whatever it is. No police shooting is going to change the way I view the majority of the police force. I don't care what's shown to me. So if you want to talk to me about police reform and you want to maybe find a solution that doesn't have to do with defunding the police or anything stupid, I have no problem having that conversation. But I think people, you know, of course, as a black Jewish person, people want me to be supremely emotional in these moments. They want me to be emotional because if I'm emotional, I'll probably just lash out with my tweets and use my platform the way they want me to. Uh, do you find that it's odd that people are like, why aren't you pissed off about this? Because uh, that that seems to pop up a lot on social media of like, you should be outraged about this. Yeah, they question your blackness. Mm. How black are you? Prove, prove, prove your blackness. Oh, this white guy I know, he, he's more black than you because he holds these opinions. Well, it kind of just goes to show that we'll bully anybody into believing what we believe. And is and I'm cool with a bunch of people disagreeing with me, which is why you'll never see me on Twitter calling somebody a racist bigot that says, I mean, it doesn't matter who they are. I've never done it. And you can't say the, the same for the other side. It's just a bunch of people, predominantly really like 52-year-old white guys yelling at me about how black I am. And that's social media for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, either that or middle-aged white women at comedy shows. Yeah, yeah. Trying to like, hey, you know what? That's yeah. that was a joke. That was a joke. So, yeah, and, and and we're there. But believe it or not, this isn't real. It seems like the media wants to stoke a race war, and I I don't really understand why. Because by the way, your comments on the police, I 100 percent agree. Um, there's shitty white people, there's shitty black people. And they're either police officers or shitty at their other jobs. Um, and uh, shit, we've had shitty sound engineers, white and black, over the years uh, for for this show. And it's like I don't really care what your race is; are you just good at your job? Um, right. And that's it. And I, I, I have the same stance with you as police officers. Why does the media care so much? For clicks, Trump's gone now. They got to do something. Trump's not on Twitter, and they don't have a subscription to Truth Social. So uh, they, they have to fill twenty four fucking hours of news a day. I guess we, t- we talked about this when he lost the election. Like when Trump goes away, these fucking MSNBC and CNN are going to tank. CNN had their worst week ever last week uh, after lowest just, rating in nine years. Yeah. yeah after yeah. struggling for the last year now, they they had their lowest point last week. So it's like not getting any better for those guys. They don't have a show over 400,000 viewers, by the way. Did you know that Gary? I didn't know that, but I don't really know anybody other than the airports that watch CNN. Me neither. What do they call those? Uh, uh, walk-bys, walk-bys, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Where they're just on in the airports. Um, look, my prediction was that they were going to have to switch to comedians uh, for the late night shows and things like that for that right. prime time slot. And I think that's, that's kind of all it is. Or try to pick off guys like you uh, who are interesting and uh, willing to have conversations on both sides. Uh, has any other major media outlet reached out to you about a gig like that? No, I, you know, a couple agencies have reached out and they've talked to people like DraftKings and all that. But ultimately, it's really difficult 
because you know if you're not pushing forward you know massive numbers like joe rogan mm-hmm. it's tough to find those you know heavy hitters that are going to get you paid just for showing up and then being yourself there are not too many people that we can name where they're doing that and so you got to push the numbers first and you know that's a, a big part of the process for me is just you know putting my head down building a show um you know making appearances which everyone can relate to that's in the podcasting game so you know if for me it's like how you know do you you know early on i was like do i change you know do i because people aren't going to question my change if you end up changing they're going to be like well we're glad he changed you know if you speak well you have some pretty good opinions like for the most part you're going to make it but you guys knew this when you started this podcast you guys are not you guys are not some you don't have to be drinking bros you could have been like the the happy bros and (laughs) instead of dennis rodman and all those dudes you could have like a uh, a steve nash jersey and maybe a shaquille o'neal and magic johnson and you guys would have you know you guys would have somebody with the numbers that you guys push i i see your guys's instagram stuff and i'm sitting there looking at it i'm like i see so many people who take absolutely no risk in the podcasting and tv game being rewarded with all these um members you know like they'll they're backed by these humongous corporations. Yeah. And they're pushing like 90 views. Yeah. 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 I'm like, guys, it's, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I mean, it's I, I, a lot of things go in there. One, there's a lot of like risk aversion or risk averse people in that mm-hmm. industry. And it's kind of, it's been like that for a while now, but it's also, they don't understand any of this. It's all old people that have no fucking clue what they're doing. Yeah. Like, honestly, because right. we, we have conversations with, with people about this stuff sometimes. And they're like, uh, yeah, fucking, we're going to do a brand deal with this guy. I'm like, so you, his audience is 10,000 people, and you're going to give him a brand deal for $100,000. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, you should never do that. It's crazy. And I will say this. We've had, because uh, uh, with the numbers, we, we've been top 50, you know, in the world comedy-wise, I think, for seven consecutive years now at this point. And, uh there was a call that was made, and we can I can we can out the company. Who gives a shit? It was Wondery, mm. and our CFO had a conversation about an acquisition from Wondery, and the Wondery people were so fucking offended that that they actually that this call even took place. They were like, "Yeah, we know who they are. We're not buying out that those goddamn guys." Like, uh, and it was pretty laughable. But I was like, "Dude, there's a million shows on your network that don't have even a, a third of these numbers right now." So. Uh, you should have seen my my call with MLB Network. Oh, how is oh that? My God. Yeah. <laughs> you, okay, so first off, you know, of course they almost have to talk to me because you know I'm junior. So they're like, we'll we'll hop on the call. And um, you know, for me, you know, I'm not trying to get in any rooms based on my name. You know, I am who I am, and I try to be nice to absolutely everybody. And you know, of course, my dad tries to you know he'll bring me in a room, talk to certain people, and I walk in and I'm like. Hey, great to meet you. And I'm Gary. Um, and I kid you not, a couple of these people from MLB Network can walk up to me and go, hey, man, um, just really, I love your Twitter account. Awesome stuff. Like I, I show my family your stuff. It's, it's hilarious. We have a laugh. Now, mind you, these are people, I'm well aware, I pay close attention to my Twitter account. That's really my, my domain right now. No clicks. No retweets from these people. Yep. And... One of the people who is like a producer from MLB, MLB Network walks up and goes, oh, yeah, um, 
you're the one who's you're pretty wild on Twitter. Yeah, you're pretty wild on Twitter. And I kid you not, this was the driving force for why they couldn't hire me. They said it right to my face. Yeah. Gary, you've been on our show before. You know we got some sponsors that put this shit wagon on the air. First and foremost, GhostBed.com forward slash drinking bros. New year, new you, new mattress. Damn it. If you don't have a GhostBed mattress, what the squeef are you waiting on? Squeef's not a real word, but it sounds good. Uh, it, fe- it felt good coming out. I don't know if that's going to catch on, but whatevs. Right now, you get 30% off everything in the entire store at GhostBed.com with the promo code Bros at checkout. Uh, you can peruse the entire catalog over there. Oh, it's nice. The sheets are amazing. The cover's amazing. They've got a weighted blanket over there. The adjustable base is the best. Had that for three-plus years over there, and when you combine it with a mattress... You get 40% off, and that's the bundle package. You've heard me talk about it forever. I'm surprised GhostBed hasn't gotten rid of it by now, but damn it, they know we're in a recession. They want you to save. Go to GhostBed.com forward slash drinking bros today and hop on those deals. You can uh, put as many things as you want, many items as your, your heart can possibly dream of in the cart, and when you check out... You will get 30% off everything with the promo code Drinking Bros. Now, if you're saying to yourself, Ross, I'm, I'm a little short on cash this month, but I want the mattress. They got a 60-month pay-as-you-go program. No interest there as long as you have decent credits. And yes, all the deals that I mentioned are applicable with that. I don't care if you put 40 mattresses in the goddamn cart. They'll give it to you, and then they'll give you the 60-month pay-as-you-go program. You can walk out of there with a brand-new bedroom set for about 25 bucks a month. Head on over to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today. Next up, we've got Ketone IQ. That is hvmn.com slash drinking bros. You're going to get 20% off with the promo code drinking bros. Damn it. Huge fan of this. So I used to take Alpha Brain by Onnit all the time. Uh, would take it to write. I write, I don't know, typically five days a week. Uh, I got turned on to these guys uh, by a friend of mine who said, hey, dude, uh, a bunch of military dudes are taking this. I think this is great. It's the same as, uh, as Alpha Brain, but better. And, uh, and it's just a, a little liquid shot. You drink it kind of like uh, five-hour energy or something like that. But this is better. It's clean. It's good for you, and uh, and it just, boom, goes right into your system, and you're good to go. You don't feel jittery. Uh, you don't feel like you're going to fucking crash right afterwards. Um, uh, the DOD has pumped in a ton of money into this product, and they're starting to, to ship it out overseas. It helps keep your mind sharp and focused throughout the day. And for me personally, like writing every day, uh, this has been a godsend for me. I'm a gigantic fan of this. And uh, and when you see it, it comes in a, in a little box full of six shots. Or you can get it in like a, like a half a liter and then pour it into a cup if you want some. I like the little shot bottles. I'm a big fan of uh, Ketone IQ. And it'll really get the brain and body pumping. When you're fueled by ketones, uh, you can find Ketone IQ at HVMN.com. Uh, again, that's visits. Uh, you can just go and visit HVMN.com. Use promo code Bros at checkout for 20% off. 
uh, or they're going to be in every Sprouts here in, uh, starting in March. Congratulations. It's like over 400 fucking stores. Uh, good for those guys. Get a little brain fuel. It's a nice clean energy boost without sugar or caffeine. Take it whenever you need to re-energize and head on over to HVMN.com and use promo code DRINKINGBROS at checkout to save 20% off. Uh, they'll ship it right to your house. Damn it. Yeah, because like, they'll, yes. they'll go through all your back catalog. You know that, right? They'll yes. go through all your tweets of all time uh, and everything else and pick it apart to death and then think right. to themselves, all right, is any one of our audience members going to be offended by one of these tweets that gets dug up from the past? Yes or no? And there's even services right now. I don't know if you heard about this, but there's services through a publicist mm-hmm. that you can hire to wipe out your old tweets if you want to. There's too many for me. There's too many. Because... For me, old tweets don't define anyone's character, especially mine. I don't give a damn what I've tweeted. You can go on my Facebook page from when I was like a sophomore or freshman in high school, and I'm sure it's me calling someone gay Mm, on Facebook. And if you're sitting there as an adult and anybody says something that is considered now across the line and you think that that's a reason from 11 years ago, 12 years ago for why you shouldn't hire them today, there's something wrong with you. Something's wrong. And I feel like everybody should understand that, but it's really just this way to hire and and fail to hire whoever you want. Just whoever is most controllable. And frankly, that's how I describe myself is I'm not controllable. And that's the fucking thing about all of this is uh, Dan and I didn't grow up with social media at that age. Mm. God only knows. I mean, shit, I was already doing stand-up at 16. I was saying horrific shit at 16 years old. If I had access to social media back then, it would have been worse. I mean, holy shit. Yeah, if if social media had existed when I was in the Army, I would be in jail right now. Yeah. I think. (laughs) Uh, For war crimes or some shit. (laughs) Wouldn't everybody in the military be posting pictures of like, look at this fucking guy I just murked. Uh, I remember sometime around 2006, uh, Corps, 18th Airborne Corps, which is in charge of uh, 3rd ID and 82nd Airborne and some others, uh, they sent out this letters like, hey, you need to write down your social media handles on this paper and give it back to us. And I was like, "Eh, I'm not doing that. Really? yeah. Yeah. And it was... Everything was still pretty rudimentary back then, right? Okay. But, uh, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, that's wild. Dude. Oh, yeah. Well, I, they probably had the right idea, to be honest. Oh, yes. Of yeah. course of course, they did. Um, yeah, but for you, Gary, I mean, dude, you're a young dude. So, like, going back to, to what you were saying at 18, 19 years old or whatever, like, holy shit. Um, because, the, yeah. the, you know, we all change, hopefully, or evolve, you know, so much over the years that you're like, all right, cool. I could see maybe somebody would be pissed off by that or whatever, but uh, yeah, if you need to get it scrubbed, we get a guy. You know, we haven't scrubbed our shit, but uh, we we do have a guy. Oh, I appreciate that. And <laughs> here's the funny thing: it's just a matter of language. It's not like I did anything. That's the thing: is a lot of these folks, they didn't really do anything. It's it's just you said something that's a matter of language that changed over time. Because I'm I'm telling you right now, there's probably 50 things I've already said on this show today that will be illegal in in 2040. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's the way it is. Gary, you can't wear white hats as a black man. You're you you know, you're 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 trying to look more white than what you are. You're wearing a golf hat, you look more white than what you are. That's everything changes and we don't know how it's going to change. And what am I supposed to wipe this show too? 
I'm not, I'm personally, what I would rather do is I would just l rather leave it and let someone not hire me and just accept that they're willing to fail to hire someone based on something that happened 11 years ago. Cause someone called their friend, you know, a fag. Yeah. Yeah. It happened okay. to our friend, uh, Kelly Stewart. Yep. Her, she goes by Kelly in Vegas on Twitter and shit, but she got she's a, actually a barstool now, she's a barstool but now. she was, uh, hired by ESPN. I think it was for, for daily, daily wager. Daily wager yeah. yeah. And, and then, uh, they found an old tweet. What, 20, was, what was the word? I don't remember, but it was 2012 when it happened. So who cares? I think it was fag. And I think she was talking to another dude who had called her out over something, some yeah. bet or something like that, or gay or something like that. And, uh, and they fired her right before she was yep. about to go on air. And uh, it took a couple of years for it to get cleaned up. Uh, as far as like her career wise, and then she went over to Barstool, and now she's crushing it over there, and doesn't you know nobody cares. Yeah, um, right. but I, I think a lot of this stuff, you know, some of it I think will switch where you look back and you'll be like, ah, eh, who really gives a shit, you know? Um, right. But some of it will will remain in place. Now, for me, when I'm looking at you on this screen, uh, I just think you know, as a handsome man, the white hat makes your black face pop more. Yeah, but that's me. You know what I'm saying? Thank like, you. I appreciate. It. Part of that's the lighting. I think I might look a little red, but um, yeah, I, I did not get the dark skin. My dad's dark skin. I didn't didn't happen for me. Yeah, I live in Arizona. So. As a white man, though, if I if we wear whites, it makes us washed out, and we're already washed out as is. You know. You know who you look like over there? Uh, me you personally, look like uh, J Jason Sudeikis. Uh, <laughs> Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are a soccer coach. I am, I am a an, an elite <laughs> soccer coach. From my children's teams, I can I, I do have that in common, but uh, yeah, I, I, we I now looking at myself in the monitor. Yeah, this is a very Ted Lasso ish look, and I'm about to go uh, and defend my title with my my child's team here uh, in about a month. So I appreciate that compliment. Speaking of which, did your dad coach you growing up at all? No, so I was an only child with my mom. So my dad was always on the road and I was not like he was really not in the picture for me. It was the visitations and all that. So, you know, of course, whoever's in your life, like my grandpa, like those are the people who really raised me. Um, but as I've gotten older and of course, me and my dad are both heavily into golf. Now we talk all the time. So all that time that we really didn't spend together, we've kind of made up for it on the back end. Uh, that's cool. Uh, golf certainly does it. Um, we actually, before the show started, because uh, you were a little late today, Gare, uh, yeah. Gare Bear. Um, no, I was uh, able to do the golf picks show with uh, Dirty Dirty Dan and his, his, his Delco picks here. He's pretty good at picking uh, winners there. Has your dad ever played in Pebble? Because that's coming up this weekend. We were talking about how hard it is to qualify for it. No, he's never. No, he's never. Never played there. Um, he's played pretty much everywhere. Um, there's a course. I don't know if you guys have played it. It's in Scottsdale. It's called Silverleaf. It's this private club. Most incredible golf course. When I tell you guys, you get on that golf course, you, you'll never, you'll want to move there. So Brian Urlacher is our co-host on the NFL show. Where does Urlacher play every day? Is he out there? I think he plays at some, uh, I, you know, that's a good question. He plays know. every single fucking day, that yeah. guy. It's crazy. I mean, That'd it's a great really? life. Yes. Every single day. Every single day. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll link you guys up next week so you can fucking play with okay. him sometime because he's really into it. For sure. And I know he goes, I think he plays the same course every fucking day. Probably, yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's somewhere around his house. Yeah. His wife doesn't let him get too far away. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Um, I think he's playing like Troon. <coughs> Troon? Oh, Troon North. Yeah. yeah, it's a great course. Okay. Yeah. 
ton of great golf courses out there. Have you been to the Phoenix Open? Shit gets wild on 16. Did you ever go to 16 there in Rage? I've been to 16, but you know, this is actually the first year I've had a suite. Normally, I'm the general admission and I'm just sitting in line getting sunburnt for a uh, strawberry lemonade vodka. Yeah. But this year, yeah, this year I'm in a suite on 16. So I'm no sunburn. It poured rain like three years ago. I think Ricky Fowler won that year. Um, I was just sitting there, phone broke. So it's it's always a great experience. And of course, with the Super Bowl being here the same weekend, it is going to be a shit show in the best of ways. It is. We're going. Uh, Saturday is the day we're going out there. Which day are you going? I believe Saturday. Oh, shit. All right. So we yeah. have a suite on 17 um, the at the Cove. And I heard that's okay. the classy one with uh, the top shelf booze for guys like us. But uh, we'll pop on over there. Um, we we get a ticketing company, so we'll we'll, we'll pop on over to uh, to sixteen because I think we have access to, the, mm, to yeah. the Michelob Ultra section. We're gonna we're gonna declass our side first. Yeah, because I can't I, abide that. No, we we get gross out there, mm-hmm. Gary. Um, how hard do you go on a daily basis at one of those events? Not hard at all. You know, I'm not actually a heavy drinker. I'm more I'm more of a competitive gambler when it comes to golf. Like we do skins, all that stuff, and it yeah. gets heated because yeah, we don't. There's no cheating. There's no PGA rules. Like we are intense, and all my friends are pretty athletic. We all played in college or we're in the minor leagues or professional, so they're pretty good at baseball and and they're pretty good at golf. So ultimately, it's been amazing. What do you shoot? What's your handicap? Like a nine. Ah, oh, shit. That's not bad at all. That's better than me. Yeah, I, um, I can't hit the ball straight at all. I, I I actually play like I'm handicapped. I'm uh I'm about as good as Greg Abbott on a, on a course. Um, shout out to the Texas governor in the wheelchair. That's how good I am at golf, which is not very. I think a ninety. I think a. I'm. I would say ninety six, like an old ninety sixer. You know, that's probably what I'm good for, and that's about it. I would never qualify for one of those pro ants. I'm not sure I could even finish a round. <laughs> Like I've only because you would be out I've, balls? I've only gone to Top Golf uh-huh. and I've played like two holes I think on a golf course once in my life. So I used to go to Ohio State. We would play drunk in college, but it was more for shits and gigs. And there was uh, there's an easier one. It's uh, Scarlet and Gray are the two courses there, and we would play the easier one because I was I was terrible okay. at golf. Yeah, terrible. I'm a terrible golfer, but I'm really ruined golf. I'm really good at getting drunk. And uh, so I'll be doing that on Saturday and, uh, and hanging out throughout the day. Uh, how wild does it get? Are we, are we expecting people puking uh, on the course? Like I heard it, I, like we saw the streaker that one year. Um, right. How bad is it? What I would say is that where you guys are going to be, which is obviously like in a sweet area, yeah. should be okay. But if you mingle anywhere outside in GA, yeah. you're going to see... Um, naked people porta potties and just a total overall shit show yes dude that's very happy very happy gilmore did you guys ever watch the movie project x by chance love it love it huge fan of project x it's like a project x golf tournament there we go that's how i would describe it let's go i'll be out in gen pop with the people uh we gotta say two of our producers are single so they're gonna go out in gen pop as well because I heard there's just a ton of ladies out there. I'm, I'll be with my wife. She's going to be their, their wing person there. 
uh, to rope them in. Uh, are you single or married? Um, I'm engaged. And oh, usually, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, usually the GA is a lot of the refurbished buns. So those are a lot of the women that people don't want. But <laughs> most of the good-looking women, they just it's like being at the club having a table and and that some of the better looking women will somehow some way no wristband at all will just be up there so some of the best looking women will be up there in the suites so there I'm we go delco we'll, we'll figure out something there you go delco we got Shit. a suite we got the suite card maybe we bought the sand and the beach for you and we just didn't know it dude because this will be our first. We always said we'll wait till the Super Bowl goes to Arizona, and then we'll bang, bang it, mm-hmm. and then go back-to-back days. Uh, so I'm amped for this. Any predictions? Do you bet on golf at all? I don't bet on golf ever. No shit. I never bet on golf. It just seems like such a, a crapshoot. Like, there's a guy hot for, like, six weeks, and then he's nowhere to be found, and then everyone's like, I'm picking him for the Masters because he got, like, third two weeks before. I'm like, nah. No, thank you. It Someone goes, oh, I've always believed in Max Home. I go, no, you didn't. I just thought he was funny. <laughs> you don't like and data he was golf? really funny. What's I mean, that? Come on. You don't believe in the data golf statistics? Yeah, do you look at any of that stuff? Any of the d- data golf statistics? Fuck no. No. <laughs> no, because <laughs> I watched Bryson DeChambeau. I feel like he's the one who really got us into all this data in the golf course. And I'm like, he's like, if I hit it at seven degrees and all this, I'm like, hit the fucking ball. Yeah. Well, you just line it up and hit it. And now he's over in Live right now. Yeah. Um, when you guys uh, report on Live, is it positive or negative out of there over at Outkick? Um, I feel like it's mainly negative, but I'm a capitalist, and that includes taking money from anybody. I don't care where they're from or who they've dealt with. We're talking about you know, unless you know, kids are involved, then we don't deal with that. But when you're talking about the Saudis, people pump Saudi gas right into the gas pumps every day. Yeah. So I'll be damned if someone's going to write me a check for $65 million to go play in Dubai tomorrow, I'm there. It's that simple. And, and I understand people wanting to defend the PGA Tour because a lot of that is tradition. And that's why the Masters is the best tournament in the world. To me, the Masters is Christmas Day. It's the most important day of the year. And that's only because of tradition. It's not because of the layout of the course or anything like that. It's just because we've grown accustomed to making this important. So every year, it feels like it's more and more important. And when people come up with this league that pays you, say, eight or nine times over what you would have made on PGA Tour, you know, how exactly, how important are these tournaments now if all these guys are disqualified playing overseas? Yeah, I, my prediction this year, I think one of those live guys will actually end up winning a major, and then that's yeah. it, it, one. You're, you're kind of going to be stuck in this argument Who? back and forth. Cam Smith, yeah, like, that's I think, your only chance. I think Cam really. Smith, Dustin Johnson could do it. Eh. Cam, not, I don't think DJ can do it right now. Honestly, I feel like he's playing terrible. <laughs> Cam Smith, in in my mind, is the is the the dude. He's Cam Smith is that guy. He's one of the best golfers in the world. What is he like? Twenty five oh, yeah. or some shit? Yeah, he's, he's young. young. Uh, I believe he's twenty seven or twenty eight. Delco. He's a little older. Yeah, he's like 28, 29. Yeah. Uh, but I think he could do it definitely. Uh, they said Phil Mickelson. I know he's old, but uh, that he's he's went on some crazy health regimen, and he's lost a bunch of weight. He and, does that every year. Uh, what's it for, do you think? He's just a, He does like the biohacking bullshit. He wants to fuck harder? Probably. All right. Well, breathe. I mean, I can respect that, I too. I think it's breathe harder and fuck tougher. Yeah, you got to breathe hard and fuck yeah. tough. That's what my, my grandfather that's, always said. Yeah, that's the way it goes, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I, I love the Masters as well. I've been out there, and I can truly say out of all the sporting events, uh, that is number one with a bullet. That that's going to see the masters and there's, you know, they take away your phones. I watches all that stuff. You can't take a a photo in there. Uh, I tried to bribe a guy to take a photo of me and my father and uh, Mm -hmm. one of the professional (laughs) photographers. And he said, I'm worried about getting my credentials pulled. I can't do that. More so than going to the old course. Yes. The British open. Yes. Okay. Uh, The masters to me just as an American. um, I don't, I don't know what it's like over there. I, I've never been to England, so I like watching the British Open on television. But uh, when they flip courses like that, some of the courses look shitty to me, whereas the Masters is the same every single year. It's beautiful. And when you go there, it's, it's more beautiful in person. And even though you're watching an 8K or whatever, you're like, there's no way it can look better in person. It does. Like if you yeah. threw my breakfast on the ground... I would eat it right off the ground and not worry about one single thing where I was like, oh, it's the Masters. Yeah, this is fine. Or if you told me that's what heaven looked like, I'd be like, oh, shit. All right, I'm cool. If it's the Masters. Did you notice, yeah. did you notice there was no bird chirping when you get there? No. What the fuck is that about? Birds aren't that's real. That's artificial. Dude. Stop. You didn't know that? I'm, oh, yeah, I will walk the Masters, right off the show. Is that real? They pump yeah, no, the they, noise in. Yeah, there yeah. was a story about that. Uh, I, I don't know who did it. Maybe I think it was Fox Sports, actually. They did a story about it like in 2015 or something. You don't remember what? that? What? Yeah. No, yeah. dude. Yeah, they're pumping the noise. Oh. Shit. Like now I got to go Falcons. back just to see. They don't want birds there because birds are government surveillance devices. They're not real. Right. Well, right? We've so, all, we all know that. So they'll be taking pictures the whole time. So they murdered all the birds, <laughs> and now they just pump bird white noise into the fucking broadcast. That's you it. know they had to have that birds guy on uh, 60 Minutes, the guy who created that Reddit thread? Oh, the birds aren't real guy? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that, Gary? I didn't know that. You know, my mom was on 60 Minutes. Was she really? What was she on there for? She was the first person, I I believe it was like to make a million dollars on eBay. Wow. What was she doing? Beanie Babies? No. So she was actually going to uh, Nordstrom Rack. Her and my grandma and and a couple of my, my aunts, they were going to Nordstrom Rack and they were buying stuff. And really what they would do is they'd build a relationship essentially with corporate at Nordstrom Rack and management. And they'd say, okay, when stuff comes in, let us know what's coming. We'll be there the minute it opens. They show up, clear the store out, and mark it up on eBay. No shit. Yeah. What a crazy idea. Because look, for as a business owner, yeah, you want to sell out all your shit. Uh, and then you can make some cash on the side. That's wild. How long did it take her to make a million dollars off of eBay? Honestly, it probably four years. Which is incredible because, I mean, you're talking about eBay is like essentially passive income. I mean, she was mm. at home. I saw her every day. Yeah. Uh, so you're looking at a quarter million dollars a year. That's not a bad gig at all. She was killing it. That's but a- once she went on 60 Minutes, when I tell you everybody got on there, it was a disaster after that. Why? What, what, was, the, what was the downfall there? Just exposure. Like, like everything because, you know like you guys with a podcast people are going to watch this podcast today and say i'm going to start my podcast next weekend holy me and my buddy we're funny we're going to start a podcast and eventually you have this oversaturated market and really the only the people who are awesome are up to the top like you guys yeah and but there's a lot of people trying and when you have a lot of people trying to sell something the prices just naturally plummet yeah that makes sense um you know i I, look i it's, it's funny with ebay though like that's something I still go to to this day. For like memorabilia and shit or shoes that are no longer available. Yeah, yeah. like weird shit that I can't find mm. that I'm looking for anywhere else. 
Um, like, cause we always do this, uh, signed jerseys thing for, uh, fantasy football shit, which I've got to get on, by the way, Bob, remind me after the show today, I got to get those jerseys out. But, um, we do a cutthroat killers league where we actually have, uh, we give away a signed Jersey from uh, a murder, right? So obviously we've done OJ, we've given an OJ Jersey away. Uh, we've given a signed Ray Lewis Jersey away. Uh, this year was Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, do you, are you aware that he murdered somebody? Well, it wasn't. No, murder. I'm not. It was a sweet one. Um, somebody tried to steal his PlayStation, and he fucking gave him a two piece. Pop, pop. Yeah, right to the chest in his apartment. Really? And that was dope. Yeah. So it's not murder. Well, there was questions. It's a homicide. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a homicide. Yeah. It's, it's a, a homicide. homicide. Yeah, uh, it was a stateside kill, and it was great. But uh, the, the the biggest one, the crown jewel in that was uh, Aaron Hernandez. Um, well, it turns out Aaron Hernandez just didn't sign a lot of shit. And, uh, and I had to go down the eBay rabbit hole, and the cheapest signed Aaron Hernandez jersey I could find was like five grand. Yeah, there's a couple of musicians like that with guitars. Yeah, Stevie uh, Ray Vaughan is one of them. Yeah, I tried like to get one from Matt. Yeah. is the minimum for him. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Uh, speaking of crazy, the Broncos uh, got Sean Payton. As their head coach? Yeah. Right now? Did they really? That surprises me. I don't, I don't understand why he would agree to that, unless they did do what everybody was saying and give him 20 mil a year, which, you know. They I'll, probably did. I'll, but suck for, I'll suck at football for 20 million a year. Yeah, but what do you do with uh, Russell Wilson now? I don't know. Because he's stuck underneath that deal, and that's got to be your quarterback. Yeah. Um, what do you do with that deal, Gary? I just draft a quarterback and, and say – Let's develop this guy. I mean, I would I do what the Packers did with Jordan Love. I mean, of course, just get a player who's better than Jordan Love, but you know, on paper. Yeah. But you got to draft a quarterback. At this point, Russell Wilson, and I've had a few people tell me that they think he's going to have a bounce back year, which, I mean, that doesn't really mean much. He could be a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, and that would be a bounce back. He should be comeback player of the year if he's even mediocre next year. So if I'm the Broncos, I'm looking at this guy, and I'm saying, you were so bad that we have to find a solution. And that solution is not with you. And we have to pay you. So you're going to be on the roster. And the second somebody else is ready to play, they will. And that's, in my opinion, what Sean Payton should do. And essentially, when you're paying a quarterback that amount of money, it takes you out the running of signing any Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, any of those guys. They're they're gone. Like, yeah. They're not coming there. So you can throw that out the window. So if you know you can't sign a free agent, the next best thing is drafting a quarterback. And that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Well, you got to think he's pro- they're probably going to try to pressure him into restructuring this offseason so they can get some help. I mean, they've got uh, uh, Latavius Murray, who's in his 30s, yep. and Chase Edmond, who's going to be tw- 27 uh-huh. by next mm-hmm. season. That's their top two running backs. This is Denver. It's, it's running back you for and, the NFL. And those right? are two backups. Those aren't two starters right. there on that both, team. Both good players, but at this point yeah. their careers especially are not starters. So they, they, they have Judy and Sutton. Those guys are good. Uh, but man, they, they, and they need, got a good tight end. Yeah. They, um, they need a lot of help. So I'm reading this deal here. This just broke uh, compensation. Uh, okay. That makes more sense. That's just the deal so they can get them. So they have to give right. up draft picks or some shit. No. To the so, Saints, so right? it's uh, it, it usually it's draft picks, right? Yeah. Cause that was established a couple years ago. Um, 
But they've agreed to money instead of draft Oh, that's picks. perfect. Yeah. I mean, for De- that's the best case scenario for Denver. I think that was it probably is. the only case, right? Because they gave up all their draft picks yeah. to uh, Seattle. I mean, it would have been 2028 20, probably before yeah, they yeah. would have been compensated. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Uh, and then breaking news here, uh, 49ers' D'Amico Ryans is uh, over at the Texans. So he's been hired by the Texans. So there you have it. Everybody was probably waiting for this Peyton deal to drop before yeah. everybody else got hired. Uh, but you called this a month ago. You yeah. said the Broncos all along. I, I, I didn't think it was going to happen. It's just the money, though. I mean, it doesn't make sense any other way. Yeah. Strange. Well, that that's not true. It Jerry Jones decided to stick with Mike McCarthy. That's the other part of play here, right? Because if McCarthy would have been fired this week. Correct. Yep. He would, he would, Peyton would be play, uh, coaching for the Cowboys now. Yeah. Which would have been a lot better situation for everybody involved, including the Cowboys. But life is imperfect. Sure is. It sure is. Uh, do you follow politics a lot, Gary? I watch it, but I don't, you know, I, I try to stay, like, I try not to be too involved, but I follow. Yeah. Yeah, because the reason I ask, obviously, with OutKick headed over there, uh, a lot of people thought with that deal with Fox that it would be like, all right, you guys would be ultra conservative on that side of the network. Uh, was there any pressure at all to, to kind of inject politics in it? Because I felt like ESPN did that. Now, I don't know if that was a, a strategy uh, on their side or, or just the anchors decided to do it, like Jameel Hill and those guys. Um, was there any conversations about that going forward for OutKick? Um, I guess you could say we had conversation. Anything that doesn't have to do with politics, we're pretty much not writing it. Uh, no. Yeah, pretty, they're not going to let us. No so, shit. Yeah, it, it, that's just what it is. So the way it works for me now is I have to get my topics approved. And if it's not approved, then it's not written. And ultimately, that's why it's so attractive to start your own thing. And it used to be this point, I I always had a dream where I was like, okay, I'm going to get behind a mic. I'm going to do a job. I'm going to understand what I'm talking about. And eventually ESPN is going to come calling and I'll be on the front desk. But what I learned over the years is like, you don't want those jobs. Like you, you really don't want those jobs. You would rather be in a position where, you know, even if you're working at Fox or you're working at OutKick, when you have someone above you, you know, you can't exactly do what you want to do. So, you know, that's that's pretty much true anywhere you go. And is that the reason why it's not worth it at ESPN is because they kind of tell you what to say and do versus the money? I don't know. Besides Stephen A. Smith, I don't know what the rest of those anchors get paid on a day-to-day basis. I mean, honestly, it's like bumpers when you're bowling. You you think that you can go side to side, you can't. They they don't they don't let you. They don't let you. And some of those people, they have great personalities. Like Stephen A. Smith, I met him in person. He's an awesome dude, mm-hmm. and he's got a lot to say in person. That I'm like, if people only knew exactly how he really was, he's such a good dude, and it's minimized because it, you they they keep you in your lane. And he doesn't have to. He shouldn't have to. And unfortunately, that's just corporate media. That's just yeah. what it's always been. And even people that started initially as someone like Barstool, which I used to read Barstool when they first launched. And I would go to it and say, I love South Park. I love I love people who tell me what they think and make jokes that are edgy and don't really care about the consequences because I already know they're good people. I know them well enough. And you know, eventually, you know, when it gets corporate, that all changes because once you're corporate and so many eyeballs are on you, people are judging you for everything you're saying. If you say one thing, they're like, what do you mean by that? And it's like, 
we never assume the best of anybody anymore in the media. We just assume that if he tweeted, you know, gay or anything like that in 2011, that he must be homophobic. Right. He must be anti-gay marriage or he must hate Christians, whatever, whatever the case is. We just draw conclusions. So, um, yeah, for me, it, it was, I've always, as soon as I really started getting older and into this community, I started to realize I don't want to be a part of anything corporate. Gotcha. Yeah. And speaking of Stephen A. Smith, I've seen him do a lot of podcasts uh, over the last couple of weeks. He's, he's promoting his new book. And yep. uh, you're right. I, you know, I've never heard him sit down in an actual interview that wasn't on ESPN and just talk about his life or, or and everything like that. And uh, he, he was very engaging and very different uh, than I thought he would be uh, based on his ESPN persona. So that makes sense. And, uh, and ironically, some of the interviews that I caught of him were on Barstool, actually. Um, and yeah. uh, interesting, interesting dude. I've, I've never met him in real life, but uh, I enjoy his whole shtick and everything else. And, uh, and at least watching television, whether you love him or hate him, uh, it's interesting. Well, he's got a new Skip book Bayless out, too. the same way. Yeah. Oh, is Skip like that in real life? What's his, what's his sitch? I've never, met, I've never met him either. When I tell you Skip Bayless is different than what you see on television, it is a character. And I feel like most, I, I wouldn't even say most people, I'd say about half of the people understand that this is a character he's playing. He has certain opinions on the show that he doesn't really think. He is just a professional arguer. He's a professional debater. That's his job. He's an entertainer. It's just like you see WWE, yeah. they're entertainers. He's an, he's an entertainer. That's what he does. So when he shows up, and you walk into the room. I remember meeting him for the first time. This is maybe four or five years ago. He literally looks at me and goes, hey, what's going on? Uh, nice to meet you. Um, he, and he's like on the phone with his wife. He's like, give me a, give me a second, honey. I'm just going to introduce myself. And I'm sitting there listening to the way he's talking. And I'm like, I've been listening to this guy since his Stephen A days. Yeah. And this is a different person. This, and I looked at someone. I go, this is Skip Bayless. They go, <laughs> oh, yeah, Skip's awesome. And that is why you see people like Shannon Sharp. If, if something happens and there's a feud, because Shannon knows what Skip is really like, it's a there's a difference between what he is on Twitter and and as much as people can't seem to understand Twitter and all that stuff and who you are on national TV, that is not who people really are. Yeah, it's entertainment. At the end of the day, all of it is entertainment. Um, and if you built a persona and a, you're making a living off of it. Uh, sure, and eventually you become the bit one day. Uh, that's the old joke we always say on this show, which which is kind of true. But uh, that's interesting to hear because there was talks, maybe, uh, I read this maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, that uh, him and Stephen A. almost came back together for a powerhouse mega show over at ESPN again with the two of those wow. guys back together or potentially splitting off from ESPN and Fox and then going to YouTube which I thought that was even more interesting because I was like, oh, yeah. shit. Uh, you could really give people, at least network-wise and corporation-wise, a run for the money if you actually had the two biggest personalities split off and do that show. I don't know where talks broke or ended up with that, but uh, that's something to, to keep an eye on. Uh, I know you got family in town and everything else, so uh, we'll let you get out of here. Uh, obviously, at the end of the show, we do the Drinking Bro of the Week, which is someone who has inspired you. Or helped you become the person you are today. Who would you like to give the drinking bro of the week to? Oh God, who's inspired me? Yeah. Um, who, who's inspired me? To be honest with you guys, it's Joe Rogan. In 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 my opinion, 
I remember looking at him and, and he's telling me he's, I'm going to vote for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and I'm sitting there looking at him. I'm like, well, anybody who's willing to vote for Bernie Sanders is an idiot. That was my mentality. <laughs> hey, a socialist, really? Like, that's the best you got? And not some like little local guy you have as mayor? No, Bernie Sanders. And I sat there and listened to him for three hours. And he didn't change my mind on Bernie Sanders. I still left thinking that was stupid. But I did think that he was an incredibly open-minded and smart dude. And it's almost like every day I watch him, I'm just watching someone learn, which no one does. Everyone just walks into rooms, watches your lip, like your lips flap, and then they just say their bit. That's essentially what like 90% of people do. And when I saw him do his job like that, I'm like, how the fuck can I not do that? Mm. I can't maybe do it at his level, but I'm going to do it with that method and that mentality. So he, to me, is my biggest inspiration, you know, of course, other than my parents, but uh, professionally, he's the guy. Yeah, I, I agree with you because, you know, everybody asks us the same thing of like, uh, you know, Dan and I are sometimes doing three, four shows a day because we own, uh, you know, the, the media company and all that other stuff. And uh, Dan hosts a show. I host another show. We host a sports show together and all that stuff. And then Drinking Bros. I, I think in podcasting, if you don't have a curious mind, uh, and want to learn and talk to different people every single day, then this job isn't for you. And uh, it really is a job, and you have to be great at your craft. And Rogan was certainly one of those people for me. Uh, it, it was him and Mark Marin that kind of got me hooked on podcasting way, way earlier than uh, than everybody else and why we started this show in uh, 2015. And, and I agree with you because here we are, you know, I think Joe's been doing it for what, 12, 13 years now at this point? It's, uh, shit, when did that show start? 2011? I, wanna, I think maybe 2009. Yeah. It might have been 09. But uh, with that, you know, even with the Spotify deal and all the money he's got and all that shit, it's great. But to still be good at your job every day, you have to have a curious mind. And, uh, and I think Joe still does. Um, and it's evident yeah. by the people he has on because he doesn't have like massive celebrities on as far as like actors or anything else. He only has people on the show that he finds interesting. Uh, right. So you never really know who it's going to be on a day to day basis. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. So, yeah, the goal, the goal is to scratch and claw my way to the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. Uh, look, and I'm you're, gonna shout out the hell out of you guys when we get there. Hell yeah, dude! Look, you're a young dude, man, and uh, you got plenty of time to do it. <laughs> Tell everybody where they can find your show and uh, and where to find you online. So I'm not launching my show until the actual start of the baseball season, but I'm actually starting a golf channel where we're gonna mic up everything. Um, that'll be on my YouTube shows, but you can follow me on um, Gary Sheffield Jr. on Twitter. Same thing on Instagram. And you'll find me in their comment section on Instagram as well. Yes, yes. Uh, and we love to have you on. Your Twitter's wildly entertaining. Uh, you're a great guy. And shit, we'll see you uh, in a week and a half here out in Arizona. Oh, yeah. And I can't wait to see you guys on 17. Don't get too wild until I get there. Oh, man. We'll see how it goes. No promises there. <laughs> no promise. If you see Dan doing uh, a key bump of cocaine <laughs> off of a 76-year-old man's pinky nail... Uh, you know, shit hasn't really picked up yet. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there'll be plenty in Scottsdale. Oh, well, is there a chance of snow in that forecast? 
please. It's going to be a blizzard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's snowing here, friends, and uh, looking forward to it. We'll see you in a week and a half. Go to iTunes, rate the show a five-star, and leave a quick review. Also, head on over to Spotify. It's just a five-star, and then you can walk away. No review necessary. They're not there technology-wise yet. Gary Sheffield Jr., we appreciate you being here. For D'Anthony D'Anthony Holloway, I'm Ross Patterson. This is the Drinking Bros Podcast. Good night, everyone.